Jeff Foran, and this is your place to explore the weird, the strange, the unexplained from cryptids and creatures, the paranormal, aliens and UFOs, forbidden knowledge, ancient mysteries, to conspiracy theories, and more. So welcome back, everyone. I feel like it's been a minute since I've been uh, sitting in front of the microphone here and recording, even though the last episode and this one are, I guess, right on track for the uh, bi-weekly schedule. <laughs> I was gone for a week, and for me, I always lose track of time on vacation, but uh, I'm proud of myself because I actually managed to get an episode recorded, edited, and scheduled for release ahead of time. Uh, so uh, A plus for me <laughs> with that. Now, a ton of people have checked out the last episode that I released, uh, due in part to a recent explosion of new listeners out there. So if you are new to the show, welcome aboard. We're glad to have you. The last two weeks have just been bananas with uh, show downloads and new followers on social media. And that's largely uh, because I appeared on a recent episode of the Confessionals podcast. Uh, I was uh, approached by uh, Tony Merkel, and he liked my show and wanted to have me on to talk about some stuff about my research into Tartaria, ancient giants, uh, and and a bunch of other stuff too, which was an awesome time. So if you are listening, thanks again, Tony, for having me on and steering some new folks out there over here to what I'm doing with Strangeology. And I know there's a bunch of new other people checking out the show as well who came here after watching a real video that I had posted on my Instagram like a month ago at this point, which was this just kind of like a teaser for the Tartaria episode that I did uh, several weeks back. And initially it didn't get really much uh, traction, not a lot of views, but then somehow... It got kicked into the Instagram algorithm a couple weeks later while I was on vacation, uh, which is funny and, and weird. <laughs> so there's just like constant uh, conversation going on there and, and new followers all the time. So wherever you are and however you found the show, thank you so much for coming by and checking it out. Uh, it's really awesome to, to have some more people listening to the show. As far as updates, uh, I will be vending at CryptidCon in Lexington, Kentucky on November 19th and 20th at the Clarion Conference Center, which is only at this point a, a month away. And I've got some work to do, restocking merch for that, printing some new t-shirts. Uh, and also speaking of other new merch, I have a cool new enamel pin that I will be releasing soon. It should be here in a couple weeks, so I will have it for CryptidCon. I'll get it listed up on my shop. I, I really uh, will need to, when I'm, when I'm on my like paternity leave <laughs> coming up in a, a couple months, I'm going to try to spend some time and make some new designs. So, you know, hopefully that'll... <laughs> Hopefully that'll that'll get a lot of a lot of stuff out of the brain and onto uh, onto designs for some fresh new stuff for you. And I'll also have a fresh new batch of my Mothman Stay Weird pins that I uh, I designed those last year and those have been a hit. People 
love picking those up at shows and also on my shop. And I sold out of almost all of them at the Sasquatch uh, Festival in Whitehall uh, a few weeks back. So I was like, whoa, I got to order some new ones for CryptidCon and also the holidays coming up. So anyway, before we get started, if you would like to support the show and what I'm doing here, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash strangeology and join the growing members community that I'm building over there. And shout out to all the members who have been with me since the beginning, new members as of recently. Your support means the world to me. Becoming a member means that you have access to some really awesome perks depending on the tier. There's six of them. And I think most people really love the early access to episodes as well as being able to listen to the exclusive episode extensions that I have starting with Season 1, Episode 10, called Strangeology Beyond. And that is with guest episodes. There's more conversation about my guests and weird stories. And with research episodes, it's a whole other episode in and of itself. So you get a lot of extra content signing up. There's merch discounts to my shop, exclusive merch as well that only members can get. There's VIP Discord access, behind the scenes, voting power, and a lot more. There's even a t-shirt of the month club that you can sign up to, and every month you get a brand new Homestate Cryptid collection shirt. There are currently 61 of them, so that's a, a lot of shirts if you really love cryptids. That's definitely something you'd want to consider. So again, that is patreon.com forward slash strangeology. We'll see you there. All right, coming up on the show today, I am joined by Todd Purse from Create Magic, who came on to chat all about his perspectives on art and the Fortean world, along with his background as a musician as well as diving into ideas surrounding consciousness and the soul and all the interconnectedness and high strangeness surrounding all of that. It was a super fun conversation, although it was unfortunately plagued with some technical difficulties of the internet connection variety. So if you notice an odd jump or some garbled uh, speaking, that's why. (laughs) I did my best to clean up the episode and thankfully I think I saved it and it came out okay. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. All right, welcome back to the show everyone. This episode's guest is someone who I recently learned about and whose work I enjoy a lot. Uh, I've got Todd Purse from the Create Magic podcast with me today. So how are you doing, Todd? And can you tell the listeners out there uh, who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very stoked to be here. I am a uh, cartoonist and illustrator. I do a lot of work in the uh, realm of the weird, I guess you could say. And I have a little podcast where I talk about the artwork I make. And yeah, that's pretty much what I do these days. 
All right. <laughs> I guess we can uh, call the podcast over. No, just kidding. Uh, so, um, how did uh, Create Magic start? Like, what what were the beginnings of of this whole thing that you do? So, I guess uh, we. It's kind of so. As far as the podcast end of things and like what I've officially been calling Create Magic Studios or Create Magic, the whole general umbrella, just a couple, like a year ago or so. And that all came from my, uh, I really wanted to start producing physical comics and zines again. So I grew up making zines and comics and self-publishing and all that stuff throughout the local music scene. And then as I got older, just doing like local, like alternative press expos and stuff like that. Um, And then I kind of got out of that and started focusing more on music and more of my illustration, I guess, uh, career where I'm working for, you know, uh, companies making artwork for people that make money off that and ways that you can support yourself. And besides that, all the fun art that I was making was digital. So it was all for Instagram and stuff like that. And I wanted a way to take the things from the internet and make them so I can hold them again, because that's what I grew up loving. (laughs) So uh, I started doing personal folklore which is a comic anthology i put out and my goal was to do it every month for a year straight and i'm on uh month eight and issue seven so i missed one month but it's because i self-published a kid's book so i kind of count it close enough anyway that i've been doing it (laughs) um so to do that i started a patreon because people wanted to subscribe to the comic that were buying it so when i started the patreon uh a very nice person was like you should do a little daily podcast about the artwork you post just kind of explaining either your process or your thoughts or things like that and at first i was like uh i don't i don't know people no one wants that so i was like i guess if these Patreon friends wanted, I'll do it for just that. And then I realized, I was like, well, I'm already making this. I might as well just put it out there and see what happens. So that's kind of the origin of how the podcast started. And now I think I'm on uh, episode 171 I put up today. So I've been doing it for 170 days straight. So I don't think I'm going to stop anytime soon. It's become like my daily meditation almost. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's epic. I was checking out your catalog. Um, the other day and I was like, wow, Todd's got like a ton of episodes and there are a lot, uh, most of them seem to be like the shorter form thing, uh, which you said is kind of like now it's meditation for you to like, just talk about all the aspects of the artwork that you do, which is, that's a really, really amazing idea, I think. Uh, but you're, you're also getting into bringing on guests for interviews. Um, I finally got around to, uh, listening to your episode uh with amanda paulson from pretty f and spooky uh mm-hmm. mutual friend of ours uh who i've had on this show before too um and uh yeah no it's it's uh it's a fun fun podcast i listened to a couple of your your shorter form ones too and i was just like all right this uh this guy's got it going going pretty good here he's got a good awesome. format a good <laughs> uh, thank you yeah so no, it's it's been really fun having people on too. I've kind of always there's a lot of people I communicate with just through like Instagram Messenger and stuff like that that I'm like I want an excuse to talk to this person for a couple hours and then I figured I was already doing the podcast and what do you do with the podcast but talk to people for a couple hours. So Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I just start reaching out to friends. Essentially, I've just talked to people that I'm friendly with on the internet and it's been really nice to kind of bond even more after those conversations and someone like Amanda is a great example of that who I have talked to way more now and uh, consider a good friend 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Like, you know, strangeology is, you know, we, we talk about all the different Fordian things out there and I'll do research episodes and have kind of like me just talking into the mic, screaming into the void. But then mm-hmm. at, at one point I was like, you know, I want to bring some people on, bring some friends and, and uh, you know, some more recent uh, episodes I've done. I'm starting to branch out to uh, people I don't know uh, <laughs> and, and people who have, uh, you know, more of a presence in the community. So, you know, we're always growing and shifting and, and doing new things. But um, I wanted to uh, ask you circling back to like the, the, illustration and um uh like the branding work that you do for companies mm-hmm. um now did you uh did you go to school for illustration and stuff like that or is that just like something that's always been innate within you a, a bit of both i'd say yeah i was a drawing kid growing up um i grew up on simpsons and like nice. a lot of i mean i just loved illustrated books like i wasn't even a super comics nerd growing up i really didn't get into comics until high school i'd say like that was probably like 2000 is probably when i really started reading books um but before that i was just so all about it like i just loved illustrated books and i loved yeah. uh cartoons so but i I hit that point in I'd say like seventh or eighth grade where I just wasn't even close to the best artist in school like it was very obvious like I remember very clearly hitting that wall and right before high school and kind of stopping for a minute but then weirdly enough so I have a bunch of learning disorders um, and at that time for the high school I went to the way they dealt with them. So for example, I have uh, severe dyslexia and instead of having to take a foreign language class, they let me try it for like a month and they're like, don't worry about that. Take an extra art class. They could see I had huh. an interest in visual arts. Yeah. So they would cut out these things that I really struggled with. And they let me take extra art electives for credits. So I ended up like editing the art, poetry, literature, and visual arts magazine. And that coupled with going to like local DIY shows for the first time and being really inspired by a lot of artists that made incredible stuff without being incredible uh or what you would consider typical crafts people like like taking the craft out of it and just making the message that like got me back yeah. into making things a lot. So yeah, through high school, I got way back into creating and then went to college out of the uh, Catholic guilt of my mother for sure like did not <laughs> like I, I did go to art school for two years and got an associate's degree in illustration so uh she would tell you that it worked and that uh you know yeah, I, yeah. I, I did the thing and on paper I guess it looks that way but the education or the experience I had at art school has very little to do with what I do now besides the 40 grand in debt that it is still oh, I'm still paying gosh. off currently yeah, yeah. so I don't I it's different for everybody I've have friends that are artists right now that had an amazing experience at art school and would not be the creatives they are now without that exposure but at the time I was playing in a touring band and had a very set social structure and outlet for my creativity so yeah where most of the kids I in school with were kind of like finding their own little like creative circles and like printing their first zines and stuff like that i was just kind of like a little bit out of that already and you know not out of it but just like i didn't need to make a new circle or have that experience through college which i think a lot of it is so it's one of those things that i didn't like probably took about 10 years before i could support myself off of artwork after school i'd say and 
lots of kitchen jobs and shitty design illustration, yeah. like lots, lots and lots <laughs> of stupid stuff and like working way too hard for free and such, but it all worked out in the end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. We all, we all kind of go through that, that grind. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 I would say like my, my, uh, my college education for like design and stuff with, with my background in, in graphic arts and stuff, like certainly like helped me to an extent, but you know, it's, uh, <laughs> and it's like now we're doing this stuff now and that doesn't really yeah. have anything to do with anything yeah. else here but <laughs> I, I was so on the border of like like i remember like right now i create or at least finish most of my artwork on a tablet and like when i was in art school at college the wacom tablet or wacom tablet was the only option where you had yeah. to look at the screen and draw the tablet separately you couldn't look at what you were drawing and yeah, just that awkward to have one <laughs> yeah i just can't do it like i just i never could convert so like my whole process has always been very analog until the last like three or four years where I converted to finally like getting a iPad and using Procreate for premium. But before, before then, and I still do a lot of this where it's all layers of tracing paper. So all of the colors in black, and then I scan everything, vector it, and then put it together in illustrator. Oh, that's there still, you go. Yeah, yeah. That's like, and it's still, it's the way I use Procreate. So even though I have like this tool that has a bajillion options, I still use it. So I'm like, here's my four layers here's one color two color trap or three colors and then a trap or however so i still like function just like i i did when i was fully analog but it's so much faster <laughs> yeah yeah no for sure yeah that's that's cool to hear uh that's like the process you're you were going through with that i was kind of going to ask like you know do you do you prefer doing like the more traditional stuff on paper mm -hmm. and or just like all digital and i, I kind of like went through that journey myself when i was like starting all the the merch line for yeah. <laughs> strangeology trying to figure <laughs> that out but yeah no that's pretty sweet um yeah I still do all of the actual like sketching and stuff on paper. All of the initial drawing is still done like physically. And I, I said a bunch that I don't know if it's like a nostalgic thing, but it just feels right. Like I still, I can't get the same feeling out of like being loose and loopy on an iPad. Like, I don't know if it's the glass or what it is and, or maybe yeah. it's just like a weird thing in my brain that I should probably get over. But uh, yeah, so I still, <laughs> I still start everything in a sketchbook and take it, from there to a transfer, like a piece of tracing paper to tighten it up and then t usually take a picture with the iPad and go from there. Yeah. That's but, awesome. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's, yeah. it's super fun. Yeah. My, my iPad, I, I, I got this like, uh, you know, the screen protectors and I got one that has kind of like almost a paper texture to it. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's not, you know, the same as like on actual paper, but it feels a little bit more like it's got that rough, like scratch to it. Which I've is wondered cool. how those were. Yeah. 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 Totally. You should try it out sometime. <laughs> the next time your screen protector breaks when your kid drops your iPad <laughs> or something. I'm going to check that out. I, yeah, exactly. We, I think about that stuff a lot with, uh, I mean, we don't have to get uh, too weird with it here, but like as far as the creation process and using things that are analog versus digital and like just in my mind, knowing that when I'm drawing with an iPad, that zeros and ones are making those lines makes me feel weird for some reason. And like, I feel like there's a, for me, and this is probably just personal to everybody, but I feel like it's easier to connect when it's analog thing and there's more room for ambivalence and like messing up and just like messiness in general. It allows me to tap into, 
I'm definitely one of those dudes that thinks the stuff does not guide me and I tap into something. So I think it allows that to happen easier, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> um, now, uh, as far as like, um, you know, like your inspiration, are, are there any artists out there that have kind of like influenced your style um, yeah. a lot? Yeah, totally. I'd love to hear about, yeah. you know, who you look so, up to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a it's a big, big array of stuff. And uh, I mean, I'd say the first things that really influenced me was The Simpsons. I was definitely a huge uh, cartoon fan. And I remember the first things like really trying to copy was Simpsons characters. And then from there, there was a lot of copying like Goosebumps covers and a lot of the like, yeah, like lots of scary stories to tell in the dark. I loved illustrated books growing up. And that the first like real geeky thing, art hole I went down was the uh, golden age illustration illustrators from the turn of the century and a lot of that was because i was a fantasy kid growing up i oh, loved okay. like king author and stuff and howard piles illustrations and nc wyeth's um were just some of my favorites and they were just these gorgeous like uh, there was either these beautiful ink drawings or these like really giant gorgeous oil drawings that I just loved growing up and then they're also very local like all this art was created in Delaware and PA right around where I grew up so I got to go see the paintings growing up in the oh, awesome. Delaware Art Museum and like there was something about seeing it on the wall and then seeing it reproduced in a book that like made me really want to do that that was one of the biggest things so that was like the first First thing that made me want to draw but as far as like more stylistically a lot of like uh 50s to 70s comics like the ec the pre-core the pre-code horror stuff is a huge influence on me it probably doesn't come across like directly visually but people like jack davis and wally wood and uh, all of the original ec artists just like the way that they can convey motion and energy with their line work blows my mind and uh one of the biggest ones that i don't know how many people know about is uh, Basil Wolverton. He was like one of the first psychedelic artists in comics before psychedelic art was a thing. He, I have a book right here that's called Creeping Death from Nat Neptune. That is like all of his old 50s science uh, high, uh, sci-fi stories that oh, are just awesome. like <laughs> it's the most out of this world artwork and he he ended up being known for his portraits that were in Mad Magazine a lot where they're yeah. just like grotesque like nasty but just so intricately intricately drawn beautiful uh pieces of art that 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 combination of something so grotesque but so like technical and beautiful at the same time really uh vibed with me um and then I guess like modernly, like I, I get a lot of influence from artists on like I have a very nice group of artist friends on Instagram, like uh, Mikey and Sam of Boss Dog are a big influence on me. And cool. then my buddy Robin Banks out in uh, Salt Lake City, he is uh, they, they are one of my favorite like artists going right now works very much in like the uh, Archie style from back in the day and very heavily comics influence. So I guess that's a that's a long way of answering the, that question. Question, but yeah no that's great <laughs> that's a lot of cool stuff to, yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> um now like uh what kind of um like uh companies do you typically work with um for like illustration work uh i i checked out uh your yeah. website and there was some like coffee stuff going and maybe some like 
other food and beverage. Is that kind of like the, yeah. the, the meat and potatoes or what, what you do? And uh, <laughs> yeah. what's what's been like your favorite project that you've worked on so far? Totally. So yeah, that's definitely the meat and potatoes. My main gig is with Brandywine Coffee Roasters. Um, they are a roastery here in Delaware that I, it's a long story, but uh, there was a the owner of a local cafe who had owned the cafes for about 20 years, wanted to start a coffee roastery. And uh, my partner, Allie, was working with her in the cafe side when they wanted to start the coffee roastery. I was like, you should let me do all the illustration work and we should silk screen bags and do it very differently and it worked and they let me do it and it was very successful which I am so grateful and very lucky for so pretty much my main gig is drawing uh, illustrations for the coffee bags we release two coffees every week so I'm oh, wow. responsible for two <laughs> illustrations a week and uh, I for a while was running we hand screen print all of our bags so for a while I was running the little print shop in there but at this point it is uh, we're printing upwards of like 8,000 bags a week so it's it's all people are doing it way better than I could. I was not <laughs> cut out to run a production print shop like that. Um, but yeah, so that's my main gig is doing the illustration work. And I still do some other stuff. Like I'm still involved in the coffee selection program and some other things with the company just because I kind of helped start it and everything. And it's been it's been nice to like for the first couple of years I was doing sales and a bunch of other stuff in the company to justify being able to do the, but it luckily was successful enough where I've been able to cut everything out except for pretty much the art and the coffee side of things which is the good stuff so yeah um, since you're, doing that i've <laughs> you're living yeah. the life man that's no, awesome I, hell yeah <laughs> i'm very very lucky and then i've through that i've gotten to do a lot of cool projects uh, other half is a um a excuse me a beer company a brewery that does amazing releases and they have locations in new york dc philly and i've got to do some really fun collaborations and it's nice because they're a great example where the owner reached out to me and was like i love what you do with brandy wine can you just do that for this beer label so i'm finally at the point where people usually just are like, I like what you do. We want to pay you to do that, which like, I didn't think ever would happen to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. That's great. I, I love to hear that, you know, you're able to, to really just kind of channel your, your creativity into, into all this. It's, it's, it's wonderful for, you know, <laughs> people with, with, with brains like yours and mine, where we're like, we need something like that in our lives yeah. daily to, to get it out. <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm yeah. super lucky that it's all one at this point. Like I don't have a separation as far, like when I'm drawing for myself, I could be drawing for Brandywine too. Like I don't have an art director or somebody that's like, no, that's too weird. Don't put that on the, like, it, there's none of that stuff. Like our biggest thing we do every year is the Halloween club. And we have uh, pretty much, you get four shipments or five shipments of a coffee every week in a specific Halloween themed bag. And then like this year we did trick or treat pillowcases that were screaming. <laughs> printed that me nice. and another artist did and uh we did these really nice to go mugs that go with it so we like that's the type of stuff that i love doing i love building like those kind of experience and just getting to put the stuff i love like each bag represents a different local urban legend from delaware so there's five different legends that i got to kind of do a deep dive on and uh, have some fun Sick. and i did a, <laughs> did a little podcast for each one with one of the uh with one of my friends that works at the company uh, they kind of are less into the weird stuff so i just bounced a bunch <laughs> of stuff off them and it was yeah, super yeah, fun yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's awesome um so uh i was wondering uh back to your um 
your comics, uh, the, the weirdo comics you put out. Now, um, you said that's kind of like a monthly release and you, you missed like one because you're working on, on a, a children's book. But um, what's mm-hmm. some of the content that usually makes it into, uh, is it all just comics or do you put in like articles and that kind of thing? So it's all visual art for sure. Um, they are a mix of both a collection of the artwork that I post on Instagram. So a lot of like half of it is usually just stuff that I pick out my favorites from that month from Instagram cool. and I, I adjust it slightly so it fits in the book and everything. And then the other half is a comic of some sort. And I have an ongoing title that, should, that I just call Strange, which I use to just kind of rant about paranormal ideas and <laughs> idea 14 stuff and nothing researched nothing at all just things that i are on my brain and a lot of like consciousness weird stuff that i just like to have an outlet for and uh yeah and then some of it is more i like to call them kind of all ages kid weirdo kid books but some of them are like little uh, i have one's goblin life comics that's just the little goblin guy i draw all the time going through different life events and stuff like that so it's all nice. comics i'm <laughs> just now uh, going to start reaching out to some other artists and different mediums to start contributing. It's one of those things I go back and forth on all the time. Like I was in bands forever, still am in bands and I love being in bands. I hate wrangling other people's schedules and dealing with like, I just want to, I just want to make stuff. I don't want to have to deal with four other people's life schedules. And so like the comic has been one of those things where it's just a solo anthology. I can put whatever I want in there. Like I don't have any, but I'm at the point now where I feel like the next the way to grow this more is to start having other creative voices. And there's been a few people I've talked to recently that have uh, inspired some ideas I'm going to start working on. So those probably won't happen for a minute, but enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, Hey, uh, all right. So, <laughs> so we're back after some technical difficulties here. Um, so you're, you're a musician and I love talking with, uh, with, uh, kindred spirits and stuff about music who I have on the show. Uh, if, if you've listened to the show before, um, it's, uh, it's a small world out there. And, um, I was looking at, uh, uh, some stuff online last night when I was prepping for the episode and I'm like, okay, Todd's a fellow musician. <laughs> oh, we know some mutual people in Iron Sheik and Warm Needles. And, uh, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And our bands have played, uh, played shows with these other bands before that are, well, Iron, I don't, I don't know if Warm Needles is still playing, but, uh, Iron Sheik certainly, uh, uh, uh my bands played a few shows with and, uh, booked them a few times. And, um, I think you might know one of my former bandmates from like way back in the day, this guy, Chris Hayes. He used to play, in uh candy hearts and um, candy hearts yeah a few other bands yeah yeah super dude he had uh, easy plateau yeah, no, I, studios i, I think yep. he's still doing that but i think he moved I know to chris. asheville or something like that yeah chris is a north great carolina dude. he works for he works in coffee we work together on the coffee side of things he works for black and white coffee roasters down in north carolina oh, right now right on and, yeah i didn't uh, know what so, he was getting up to down there i just like <laughs> saw that he'd moved there recently and i was like oh wow you're you're you yeah. got away from the city <laughs> totally it's funny we reconnected via that which is always i mean all of the the coffee world the music world the weirdo world they all have very similar flows i feel like and similar people but that's awesome that yeah the iron chic dudes are some of my favorite people in the world dumps is forever one of my favorite he's a hero of mine and oh, yeah. i mean <laughs> the work he does uh 
Yeah, the work Mike does with Dead Broke is some, I mean, I just have so much respect for what that dude does and just oh, love yeah. those guys so much. I love, I love to, all of his projects yeah. that he does too. It's like he's he's got like a prolific like library of stuff that he's been involved with. It's great. <laughs> no, absolutely. They're the type of dudes that I won't see for years. And then when I do see them, it's like we never stopped hanging. Nice. That's awesome. Now you've done some touring too. Uh, do you just mo- mainly stick in around like the mid Atlantic area or have you like done like cross country tours and stuff with, with the headies? Yeah. Uh, we've done three cross country all together. Uh, uh, the majority of our touring is usually either to the Midwest and back or to Florida and back. Uh, lots go. of really, really good friends in the Midwest. And just uh, that's probably our favorite place to go as far as just a comforting place to play with good people and everything and just some of our favorite bands. But uh, yeah, we did the whole country a few times. I was in another band that was uh, much shorter lived uh, called Martin that did a couple couple a lot more touring it was with a guy that was in a slightly bigger band that he started after that bigger band was no longer a band so we we (laughs) had a lot of other opportunities and it was that was really fun that was that was where I was kind of done with it though I was like I can do this sometimes but not as much as these people want to so (laughs) it was uh I was starting to pick up uh, more in the freelance illustration stuff and just really uh, focusing more on the visual side of things and yeah but yeah the touring stuff was some of my favorite memories for sure like I love that what was your start with music like what influenced you to to kind of start playing yeah I uh, guess I really got into it in like sixth and seventh grade I had a friend growing up in uh, elementary school that lived on the St. Andrews campus which is a boarding school in Delaware it's actually the boarding school that Dead Poet Society was filmed at which is pretty fun Um, but his parents were teachers there so they had a house and during the summertime we would get pretty much full reign of the campus and they had this giant music room with all kinds of recording equipment and any kind of instrument you could ever want so we got to just like mess around with everything and teach ourselves essentially how to record a band by recording Green Day songs and he was the first person that also kind of helped me dig a little deeper and he introduced me to Pinhead Gunpowder which was Billy Joe's other band with uh, a little bit more of a punk aesthetic Uh, this guy Aaron Cometbus was the main writer and drummer of the band and I got into he has a uh, amazing collection of zines called Comet Bus that changed my life and was one of the first things where I saw like a real DIY zine and I, I think that kind of kickstarted way more than just the music for me. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. On your show, I've noticed that there's some some like rock and music that goes along for like intro outro stuff. Um, do you write that music for for your podcast? Yeah. So the intro and the outro music I recorded in the garage by myself on a little, uh, I don't know, little four track thing that I have laying around that kind of still works. And uh, then like all the background music I just make per episode. And I usually just put on like one of those (laughs) digital drummers and play guitar to it. And then recently I've started really ending each episode with a different song from different bands I've been in and things like that. And pretty much all songs that I've written, but performed in different bands. So that way I've, I forget how much of that stuff just sits places. And I was like, well, I might as well just start throwing that into the episodes. <laughs> yeah. It gets it out there to more people, I suppose. Right. Totally. That's a good idea. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Now, uh, what would you say like your top like five, three, three to five bands are currently? Currently? Well, I think the Ramones will forever have number one spot. It's by not only like a band that makes me feel like amazing no matter when I listen to them, but probably has been the most consistent thing that I go back to all the time. And like my kids love it. Like they love the Ramones. Like there's something about it that they just like, they don't really care about any of my music, but they just love that. So definitely forever in the top, in the top five or couple. Um, Other than that, like uh, been in a big Bell and Sebastian kick. I absolutely love me some Bell and Sebastian right now. And I, it's a, it's one of my fall favorites. I think it's one of those bands that just the songwriting is so amazing and rhythm section. They're really like, if you listen to their bass player and what he's, that's so good. Just one of my favorite things. Um, And then I guess something that's a a little newer is there's a, a group called Tony Molina or a guy named Tony Molina. And he writes and records a bunch of stuff that is, I like to say it kind of sounds like Weezer and Thin Lizzy that all that write 30 second songs about hating your town that you grew up in or your friends. It's like <laughs> some of the most, like I love songs and this is probably the Ramones influence. And you probably notice if you listen to any of my music, I love songs that are like 40 seconds to a minute and a half. That's my jam. And like these, yeah, like literally go. he just distilled the best, parts of Weezer songs added thin Lizzie solos and wrote like amazingly depressing lyrics that are too good. <laughs> so, ah, that's awesome. Highly recommend that <laughs> I have one. To check that out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Um, now let's see. Uh, I've asked this question before when I've had on fellow musicians who are also weirdos like us. Um, <laughs> what, what, uh, what do you think, would be your like cryptid supergroup band? Ooh, this is a good question. Wow. Um, whew. okay. The Nightcrawler definitely be the lead singer. I really think that uh, dude could belt it out. Um, maybe just a whole <laughs> band of ghost pants. Yeah, I think we're going to go with that. It's just all Nightcrawlers. All right. I think that would be the best. I like <laughs> I like the idea. Yeah, I, I think that's good. Visually, I like the idea of like drumsticks just floating and uh, creatures with no arms playing instruments that need arms. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. It's like the band uniform, but it's just what they are. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that um, like your background in music has influenced you in any way with like what you do with your art and all like the strange weird 40 and stuff that you you like to dive into yeah 100 percent. i mean especially the the art side of things for sure like growing up in the diy like kind of punk scene uh really helped with that idea of you don't have to be the best at anything to just do it and like really if you just do things you're already like nine steps ahead of most people because people just don't do stuff so i always say like being in the punk scene oddly enough just taught me to be nice to people and constantly do stuff you genuinely like to do and like that is what essentially has gotten me to where i am like i will like there are i could name five other artists working in the weirdo world that are way better technical artists than i am and like there's i can plenty of people i don't have the best like technical skills and 
the music scene I grew up in helped me get over that hump of caring about that stuff so much. And really, because I mean, the artists I named earlier that are like my influences, if you look at their artwork, it's like technically beautiful and not what I do. But like, there was always that disconnect until like the Ramones when you could be like, oh, three chords, silly songs. I got it. That can be, that can be just as meaningful and magical as like any kind of, I don't know, a uh, really drawn out long prog rock song or whatever people are super into. Like I, I love that about it. But um, as far as the weird stuff, I definitely think that I, there's something about going to like a local DIY show and like being in a basement with 200 people that are all there for the same long man. You know, most people don't care about that. It, like it's a magic experience. Like you might not recognize it at the time, but looking back on it, I was like, Oh yeah, we were all just like at church. Like that was all like spiritual, weird, paranormal, whatever you want to call it. Like, I think there's something to that group consciousness. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I guess in that way, but it's like, I never had any, like, it's funny because a lot of the scene that I grew up in was much more kind of atheistic and like very much not into talking about all the weird stuff and much more about dealing with real life problems and things with, uh, you know, more I guess, uh, societal relevance, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I'm wondering, uh, do you have, uh, any, any new projects on the horizon with create magic that you, you can talk about or like, are you going to be vending at events anytime or, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely next year. I plan on doing a good amount of vending. It's something that I wanted to get back into this year, but just could not line up with uh, work and kids and all of that stuff. I've been lucky to be keeping real busy in the uh, the freelance side of things, but also it keeps the rest like the social interactions down a lot, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, next year, yeah. I definitely plan to try and I really want to hit some of the more like weirdo events. And I've on- only ever really done things that were like small press expo or the alternative uh, expo and things that more comic book oriented and stuff. So next year, I really want to try and get out and do some more of the uh, weirdo community event stuff for sure. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So That's awesome. I have no like actual events or anything, but as far as what I have coming up, I'm planning on doing uh, a double, pretty much a double size issue for October. So I have three different original stories that are going to appear just for Halloween time in this. And it's going to be a mixture of I'm having uh, somebody else write some stuff that I can't quite announce yet, but I'm real stoked about having their involvement in some of these comics because they actually are a researcher and like know what they're talking, like not just rambling about fun stuff. So it's been really fun to apply some of my uh, comic skills to more linear storytelling in that way with somebody who knows more than I do. Um, but yeah, so uh, uh, that's coming out next month. I'm just about to start printing those. I print them all in my garage. I just bought a uh, copy machine when I started doing this. So I just, I print pretty much print 30 or 40 to start with and then print the rest to order as they come in. So I'll start printing next week. And then uh, two art shows that are coming that kind of remote art shows one is in LA and one is in um, Portland and they're both through the uh, brand line the cough grocery that I work for their illustration art shows I'm going to have information about all the, you can go see the the artwork I use for the coffee bags that I put out so I'll have information about that coming soon but that's pretty much what I got going on right now 
Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Before we wrap it up here, um, I've got one final question that I always ask my, my guests and I'm sure you know what it is, but, uh, uh, out, of, out of all the Fortean things and weird stuff out there, is there anything that, that keeps you up at night? Yeah, no, that's been one of my favorite questions that uh, that you use to end the shows. It's it's so good. And I I think the answer is all of it. I mean, none of it is... Uh, <laughs> none of... Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that, uh, that I've been currently kind of stuck on is um, the... Well... It's pretty much two things. One is the idea of fictional characters becoming real, kind of the idea of uh, the other interacting with imagination in a way that makes the stuff more real. And like, there's a book called Mutants and Mystics written by Jeffrey Kripal that I read recently. That's one of my favorite things in the world right now because he uses the parallel of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and the creation of the Marvel Universe uh, as a uh, fictionalized execution of what was going on on the West Coast with like the human potentialist movement and Aldous Huxley and all of the weirdos from out there at that time period and he cites these amazing experiences from people like Barry Windsor Smith who created it was the original illustrator of Conan like he has these experiences where he'll be sitting at the drawing table working on these crazy Marvel deadlines and out of uh, he'll be sitting there for like six or seven hours and he said he would experience things where the page he was working on would disappear and then the drawing table would disappear and then he would fall through where the drawing table was and land in another time and place and the one of the wildest stories he landed in the studio he was working in but he didn't recognize the people that were talking or like the clothes or anything and when he came yeah and he came back to about seven hours had gone by when he thought he was out for like 15 minutes like super missing time thing and then two years later the uh, scene that he saw during that experience came to came true and he saw it play out in his life in front of him and then after that he started having even more weirder experiences where he would just kind of same thing would happen where the thing he was working on would disappear but he would fall into like the cosmos and become one with the universe and have all these like really big consciousness revelations that were just amazing and he uh like he definitely was one of those people that thought he was tapping into something way more than you know just uh just something paranormal or time slips like he really felt like something was communicating through him like your philip k dicks or other people creatives along those lines so i love that stuff that's where i find like my biggest inspiration from all of this is where the weird and the imagination mix to make this all like uh more magic and special and real yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then certainly like some, some, uh, stuff out there that can be like, Oh, well it's reality breaking. Yeah. <laughs> like no. it goes out of the paradigm of the, the, uh, the matrix that you find yourself in. Right. Exactly. Something comes along that is just like, Oh, well the world isn't what I thought it was. Well, Hey, listen, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you tell my listeners, uh, where, where they can find, find you on the the World Wide web totally so uh create magic studios.com is the easiest thing it has links for the shop and the podcast and all the social medias and all that good stuff uh on instagram i am todd t-o-d-d-d-e-8-5 and i post things daily there and that's pretty much it 
Yeah, yeah. You have a Patreon too, right? You oh, mentioned. yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. And that's uh, Create Magic Studios, uh, at Pat- whatever the Patreon thing is, but it's all on the website too. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. great. Totally. I'm, I'm bad at this whole promotion thing. <laughs> well, hey, it's all about you for this episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, thanks again, man, for coming on. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Definitely. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks again to Todd for coming on to the show. We'll have to do it again sometime soon. And I'll make sure to throw all the links into the show notes for Todd's projects, podcast with Create Magic, and all that stuff. I really love his art. And if you like the weird and whimsy, it's definitely something not to be missed. Next time on the show, I am planning on doing a new research episode since I just had a string of interview episodes and I'm going to be doing something spooky and fun. So you're not going to want to miss that since Halloween is right around the corner. It should be dropping just before October 31st. So mark your calendars for that one. We're going to have a good time. As always, this show wouldn't be possible without the support of listeners like you. Anytime you download the show and share it with friends and family and whoever out there, it helps me out a ton and it means the world to me, honestly. Just the other day, the show passed 50,000 downloads, which is a huge milestone and it blew my mind uh, with all the activity that had been happening. It was like... uh, took me a year and a half to get to the point where I was and then everything just kind of (laughs) exploded. So uh, I think uh, last time I checked, it's already past 60, which is great. I can't keep up. (laughs) So I have a special giveaway uh, planned that I'm I'm working on putting together to start later uh, this week as I'm recording. Uh, This episode drops on Thursdays. Uh, So it'll probably be Uh, Friday or Saturday that I'll be hosting this giveaway. Uh, You'll be able to find it on my Instagram. So be sure to check there if you want to win some cool merch as a token of my gratitude for all the support that you give to Strangeology for the almost two years that the podcast has been going, (laughs) which is wild. Now, I mentioned that you can sign up to become a member over on my Patreon to support the show, but you can also support the show by picking up some rad cryptid and Fordian-themed merch over on my Etsy shop, which you can find at strangeology.etsy.com. I've got a ton of stuff over there on t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, mugs, magnets, stickers, pins, and a lot more. So if you want to grab some merch that represents your home state with its most popular cryptid you can check out the home state cryptids collection or if you like something that's got a little bit more pizzazz you can check out my cryptid event designs which are very colorful or my alien and ufo designs i'm always trying to add new stuff to the shop and i'm even working in the background on expanding to host my own shop on its own website separate from Etsy as well. Uh, So hopefully that will be live soon. I'm hoping to have it 
live before the holidays. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> There's a lot of work that goes into the back end of that stuff. So uh, we're going to work as hard as we can to get that up and running. Uh, but in the meantime, of course, you can you can always grab stuff over on strangeology.etsy.com and your support is always very much appreciated. And make sure to give me a follow over on all of my social media accounts. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter, but definitely Instagram. That's always my home base, uh, and that's where I host my merch giveaways, like I said before, <laughs> so don't miss out. And also, don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can just search for the Strangeology podcast in the search bar there, and it should come right up. And I'm looking to get to the next level there and to produce some more video content. I already have a bunch of stuff up there, and I also throw the show up there too. And don't forget to head on over to my website, www.strangeology.com. You can sign up for my newsletter there, which I don't send out too many emails, so don't worry about the spam. <laughs> and I also have a blog there. And if you are a writer who likes to write about cryptid 40 and themed stuff, definitely get in touch because I would love to feature some articles from other people out there. You can get in touch with me on my contact page or just shoot me an email at info at strangeology.com. Also, if you are interested in sponsoring the Strangeology podcast, you can also send all business inquiries to that email. Again, that's info at strangeology.com. All right, I think that's it from me for today. For members, stick around after the short break. Todd came back on to chat with me about the ecology of souls, consciousness, near-death experiences, and some personal ghost stories. It got really wild and weird for a little bit, so you're definitely not going to want to miss it. So stick with us, and until next time, take care of yourselves and each other, and keep it strange.
right, welcome back, Patreon members, and thanks again, Todd, for hanging out. We had a few technical difficulties earlier. We took a little, uh, a little bit of a.